Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Old Lady Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red All Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 68, an episode a week before things are hopefully very nice, and that involves a Juventus win over Roma, and that is what we are going to start out talking about today. So, on that note, let me bring in Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, good afternoon. Yeah, let's uh, let's hope for uh, some happy thoughts today and even more uh, next week. And we've got Sergio. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to be here. It's always on this fine Sunday evening of international break football. So, yeah, happy happy to be here. Happy to do the podcast as always. Yes, fine, fine Sunday of international football. I'm sure you guys are all pumped up for the Nations League wrapping up and, and all that good stuff, as Chuck Snodsky said, because it's an audio medium. So Always. <laughs> so... We will begin with the Juventus-Roma matchup, and obviously Juventus went into the international break in relatively good shape. Who knows how good of a shape as they're coming as they're coming out of it, knowing that, oh, I don't know, Adrian Rabio currently has coronavirus. 
Paulo Dybala may or may not be available. Alvaro Morata probably won't be available. Probably some other players will be coming back with some kind of injury after international duty. So, you know, good times because international breaks mean fun. So, Chucks, I will throw it to you first. Obviously, Roma are different under Mourinho. Obviously, Juventus are still very much in the sculpting phase under Allegri 2.0. Where do you stand on Juventus-Roma, knowing all of these factors going into it? Yeah, pretty optimistic, actually. Um, Cautiously optimistic, but, you know, pretty optimistic. Of course, we've recovered our form pretty well since, uh, you know, a pretty catastrophic uh, start to the season. So that's good. But of course, Roma are in really, really good form, uh, unexpectedly. I've never known what to think about Roma. I always think, okay, maybe this year's the year that they kind of, you know, Roma and Lazio are always the two teams. I'm like, okay, I never really give them any credit, but is this maybe the year that they'll like, you know, convince me or something? And then they sort of do in the beginning and then they, yeah, usually till off towards the end of the uh, end of the season. But yeah, I mean, they're in great form, uh, obviously with Tammy Abraham. And Lorenzo Pellegrini heard his, he's been doing really, really well. Mourinho like singled him out for like just really high praise for him, which uh, hard to make a grumpy man like him happy. So that's uh, very impressive. I think, and it's my version of the Tim Vicker reference, but James Horncastle is continuously banging the Pellegrini drum. Unfortunately, not the Juventus Pellegrini, but the Roma Pellegrini <laughs> as, as saying that he's been easily one of the best players in Serie A this season. So that just shows you how good of a season he's, he's had so far yeah yeah and and indeed he doesn't quite get as much praise definitely not international praise i mean people in general i hear very little <clears throat> very little discussion about him uh, in international press but yeah i mean he's you know clearly just an excellent player and like i said uh, getting someone like marino to be happy is uh, quite a feat in itself so uh yeah well done and he did also play for uh, or has been playing a little more for italy as well uh, for the italian national team uh, he got, uh, just looking at uh, the scores here, he did play uh, 70, 70 minutes against Belgium today in their uh, Italy's 2-1 victory. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Roma are in good shape now. Uh, definitely big momentum behind them. But at the same time, we've got some pretty good momentum behind us as well. With that Chelsea win, obviously, that was just, you know, hugely lifted spirits of the team and and showed us that, you know, we are absolutely capable of just, you know, being the Juve of, of old, well, of old, old, old Juve, um, not the Juve of the last two years or so. But yeah, we're very much capable of doing that. So that's good. Of course, the only point of kind of concern I have is, well, actually two points of concern. First of all, it's just the international break in general. There's always a bit of a, you know, you know, holding your collective breath after uh, the international break to see what the state of fitness is for everyone coming back. Thankfully, the Italy game was actually in Turin, so that was uh, that was nice. So, I mean, you know, players like Chiesa, Bonucci, Chiellini and stuff, that at least just stayed comfortably <laughs> at home, basically. Or they have a short trip to J-Medical. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> true, that's, uh, you know, they can step into their uh, Jeeps, I suppose, and uh, cruise on down there. <laughs> so, uh, that said, you know, you have the South American players, of course, like, Quadrado, and I suppose Alexandro was called up as well, but actually Colombia, Brazil is today, so there you go. And as far as I know, those were still, those are indeed still being played in South America, despite the whole slightly comical confusion that time between Brazil and Argentina. Um, I suppose everybody's straightened stuff out there at Comebol, so uh, I hope we won't hear that uh, Sandro or Quadrado are stuck in, I don't know, 
whatever airport, <laughs> wherever. But yeah, no, um, that's only kind of concern I have there. So yeah, number one thing. And then number two, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little more is uh, Adrien Rabio being um, out due to COVID. So that's, um, I mean, it's actually quite a significant blow because Rabio had been playing pretty well. And also just that tactical kind of, that tactical setup where he was playing on the left. So uh, on a lopsided 4-4-2. So I wonder, you know, is Allegri going to play like, I mean, if he wants to maintain that shape, the only person I can think of playing there is McKenney to maintain that kind of awkward, like 4-4-2, 4-3-3 sort of. Or you just go straight 4-4-2 with like Kulusevsky there. So that, yeah, that, that's the only kind of concern I have because, I mean, we built the momentum on that shape and on that formation. So what happens now? Do we change it or do we kind of, try and keep it the same so those are only two uh points of concern i have but yeah for the rest um yeah cautiously optimistic so let's see cautious being the key word i think for you yes yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> i you know it's it's every time there's an international break all i hope for is like no serious injuries like just make like as long as there's no serious injuries i'm i'm fine with an international break obviously i i think there has been none Obviously, Adrian Ravio with the, the COVID update, I would say he got COVID, so he's not going to be there, which I, you know, he hasn't really been the, 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 the player that you'd point out as like the biggest standout by any means. But I do think he plays a very important role. And in, in, as Chucks was saying, that formation that Allegri has been playing the last few games that has yielded the best results for the team. So I do think that even if he's not like the most important, he hasn't been the most important player for Juve lately. I do think he has a very key role in the in the field right now in the in the lineup that right now that I'm not really sure that you know McKinney could fill in. I think he's going to have to fill in, but I'm not really sure they're going to be able to kind of you know just easily replace him. Which we might like we we're gonna really that's the biggest concern for me whether or not Allegri kind of like sticks to the to this formation and tries to fit in another guy there or he just completely retools again with the, the players available to him. So that's going to be really interesting to see against Roma. And and Roma for, you know, I, obviously I don't think Jose Mourinho has the, you know, the same appeal as he did a few years ago. I no longer think he's quote-unquote the special one. But say what you will about the guy. The, the first year he's at a new club, that always tends to be a good year. Like, he he's, he's not, you know his tactics as a football coach, I don't think have ever been the problem. It's more his personality. It's more like the way he manages the clubs that kind of have been his downfall, especially in later years. So right now, I think he has Roma playing pretty well, uh, competing for Europe. Uh, they've been they've been showing some really, really good performances. Like you mentioned, Pellegrini has been playing really well for them. Tammy Abraham, which was kind of like their, their you know, their top signing in the summer has been, you know, adapting fairly well to Roma. He's he's very well liked by by their fans and he's just playing really good football too. So it's it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be really fun to go against Jose Mourinho, which is, you know, he's he's a heel. He knows he's a heel and it's fun. It's fun. You got to give him props for that. Last time he played uh Juve was when he was coaching Manchester United, if I remember correctly, and they beat Juve at home and he was like taunting the fans and ever like He's a he's, he's a fun personality, and it's always fun to go against against teams like like Mourinho. So it's definitely going to be an exciting return return to form in Serie A. And you know, let's hope that Juve can 
you know, keep the the form they've been showing the last couple couple of games, and despite the international break, they can keep building on that. I actually remember that game, the the United uh, Juve game, because the infamous uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was still at the team then. Uh, I remember he scored that really really good volley that like I think it was Bonucci had crossed it and kind of looped over his head, and then he just took it first time on the volley. And I remember we dominated that game, but then lost like through an own goal and I think a Juan Mata goal or something I still even know I remember all this like a free kick or something like that yeah 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 and I do indeed remember Mourinho you know I mean he had a field day with that one so you're gonna you're gonna do this to me first thing in the morning Chucks bring up these memories (laughs) I mean oh uh, sweet dreams are made of these as uh, a great (laughs) song once went went. but you know (laughs) but yeah no I I, that was uh that was quite the day I mean yeah it's interesting with Mourinho as, as a coach I mean I think there has been kind of a consensus um, in the you know, world of football or football journalism that Mourinho's, uh, I guess, tactics or Mourinho as a coach has kind of become outdated. Like his just this general style of management and just, you know, not even his, his, his tactics, but even just his, yeah, his way of managing players are just kind of, uh, you know, his leadership style, how he motivates players and how he kind of says like, I mean, he will just kind of, take the mickey out of them in, in public, you know, and, and kind of say, you know, not very nice things about them or just a very confrontational style of management and, and you know, the whole, yeah, just kind of, yeah, confrontational way of like, you know, do it or else or like, you know, don't you, don't you have like commitment to the team instead of like kind of a negative reinforcement versus positive reinforcement, I, I guess, to use psychological uh, terms. And yeah, I don't know. I, I, from reading kind of just journalists around Europe, people seem to kind of th- thought like, okay, you know, is that really still how we should like how players are managed versus like, you know, coaches like Pep who kind of, you know, put their arms around the player and say like, Hey man, okay, you're not doing well, but you know, here's like, positive reinforcement you know like if you do this you can improve in this way so yeah i mean marino have kind of fallen off the radar and like you said sergio like that first season with like spurs for instance as well you know doing well in the beginning and then kind of drop off later so maybe this is that honeymoon phase again who knows (laughs) who knows yeah you never know marino or maybe like max allegri has been doing the last couple of games against chelsea and then torino literally kicking the two fetties in the ass literally Quite literally. Quite literally kicking them in the ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, let the record show I don't condone such a behavior. <laughs> like I said, I stand for positive reinforcement, not negative one. But yeah, I mean, Mourinho's uh, again made a bit of a comeback at, at Roma. And yeah, I mean, let's see how long it lasts. I, yeah. it's, it's, I also think it's like with Mourinho, it's, it's funny how his tone has changed of like, obviously he's a very, very winning oriented coach, like just victory above all else. I don't care how we play, you know, victory, victory, victory. But um, I remember uh, some coaches or a, a journalists were talking to him about just kind of like his his time at Spurs and uh, just reflecting on that. And, they, you know, they they kind of criticized him a little and said, you know, things weren't so great at Spurs. And like, you know, they seem to kind of regress at the end. And then, you know, for a coach like Mourinho, he was like, well, you know, I got them into a final and, uh, you know, other, other coaches didn't get them into it. And I remember reading like, Really, Mourinho, you've gone from like celebrating like Champions League victories to now celebrating a League Cup final with Spurs. <laughs> like, I thought, like, oh man, that's uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a change of tone there. But you know, let, let's see, uh, let's see how he's, how he's changed. 
Yeah, he's he's an abrasive dude. He's an abrasive personality. I I, I remember watching a, a documentary about him in, on Netflix. Well, like a mini documentary. I'm pretty sure it was on Netflix. I think it's about like, it's a show where they interview a bunch of coaches and they give out like their life lessons and whatnot. It was actually pretty interesting, but he's always been kind of like this abrasive personality and kind of like a, you know, just a character. <laughs> really, my main takeaway from that one was if, if you're winning, you can definitely pull that off. Like if you're out there winning travels and doing all this type of stuff, hey, you know, talk, talk whatever you want, right? Like, I mean, you've earned it. But, you know, when that exactly when the results are not there, then that whole special one abrasive type of thing, you know, really tends to go badly and tends to go bad quick. So right now, I think for Roma, I think they're playing well. I think they they made up a good bet, I would say, with a kind of like a high risk, high reward coach with Mourinho. I, I really do think that it was an exciting signing for the league. And, you know, as as, as far as I know, so far, there haven't really been any disenchantments with him from the Roma fan base. Like I said, the team's playing well. It's going to be an interesting matchup, a fun game, a really cool way to kind of like go back to City A play, kind of like get... Get, get get you hyped up. It's not a it's not a matchup against you know like Bologna or something. It's it's it's, it's going to be a good game to get kind of like the the blood up again after after the international break and a good measuring stick for Juve too. Yeah, and just the last note on on Mourinho from me, you know, it's like I mean I still think like I said I still think he is a great coach, but I think of like him versus or kind of compared to uh, someone like Sir Alex Ferguson, and you know Sir Alex was like. Yeah, I mean, he was obviously very well, very well liked and very well respected. But you know, Ferguson was like he was a pretty no nonsense guy. Like he, you know, if people crossed the line, like he would, I mean, they would be out. You know, the people would be out. So in that sense, he was like, I think it's just you can show that as a coach, you can still very much have boundaries and very much have like you know, okay, you don't. If you don't do it or like if you cross this line, then you're just out. But you can also be kind of like a nurturing personality like Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, I constantly hear former players talk about him as if he was a father to them. <clears throat> you know, like he was really just, yeah, like nurturing. That's kind of the word I think of. So, um, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I just I think Mourinho is just such an interesting human being. So such there's there's sometimes where I'm like very sympathetic to him and then there are other times i'm like man come on you know like <laughs> you're not like you can't do that anymore but yeah let's uh, let's see hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Well, you guys mentioned the, 
the fact that this is a, a interesting way to come out of the international break and i was just looking up juventus's schedule as we were talking here and i mean it it's three big fixtures in a row where juventus roma and then juventus zenit in russia and obviously we've we've talked previously about how max allegri has apo- approached the next two champions league fixtures knowing that that's kind of the kind of the two games that juventus's advancement kind of hinges on and then it's it's inter milan next weekend so sergio said this was a uh an interesting way to come out of the international break and i think those three fixtures are definitely uh true to that aren't they chucks <laughs> yeah i mean it's not even those three fixtures like i mean i was looking at yeah indeed the entire kind of list up till really the end of the year and i mean there's not a single small game from now until um sorry until the end of november i should say not uh, end of the year um yeah from now until the end of November, there's not a single small game on the on the fixture list. Of course, we have Roma and then, you know, Zenit twice in, uh, well, once in October, then once in November. Inter, uh, Sassuolo is always, you know, we've always, like, I mean, it's always been a difficult game. Verona is probably the smallest game, although even then they, you know, they tend to be, uh, tend to be very, very difficult to score against. Zenit again, Fiorentina, who have been really, really excellent this season. Lazio, who are, you know, still pretty... Pretty strong. Sorry, as well. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and he'll be out. Yeah, he'll be out for a little bit of a poetic justice against us too. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I mean, you know. I mean, that, that said, we played. We paid his paycheck until like what a few months ago. <laughs> so I don't know how much how aggrieved he should be, but anyway. And as a former banker, I'm sure he'll appreciate that. <laughs> oh come on, he's an old Italian man. You know he holds grudges. Yeah, yeah. Well, hope, hopefully they're not financial anyway. That's uh, <laughs> that's why, because he has no uh, no justification to do that. Um, but yeah, no Lazio then and uh, Chelsea again. Atalanta, of course, always uh, tough. And uh, yeah, and then Atalanta will be the last game of the of November. So I mean, those are all huge games from now for you know for was it two months basically, uh, month of October, November. So that's uh, yeah. I mean, that's really really. Uh, there's just no moment of rest really no moment to like say okay we got a game against i don't know genoa to kind of you know chill chill out and go go for it but to look on the bright side as we've seen really in the last few weeks and really just the last season or so juve seems to only turn up for big games and you know not really yeah care very much for the small games so maybe this is good maybe maybe this is good to have like just a relent relentless series of big games one after the other and within like and also you know three four days separated i mean i'm looking at everything now yeah three days three days four days five days i mean you know like pretty all in quick succession maybe this is good for us to really keep that mentality up and and just keep that mental sharpness up of like you know okay we're playing as chelsea now we're playing as lazio now we're playing as fiorentina and not like okay we're playing as lazio chelsea and now we're playing as Salernitana, Genoa, you know. So yeah, I I, and I think it's a blessing in disguise, and uh, yeah, I think really it's in some strange way it's probably the best thing for us uh, to have this run of games, especially also after the Chelsea uh, victory. Obviously, let's hope for no more injuries because that would be very very problematic. This stretch of games is going to be really important, exactly because of who we're playing. It's a lot of games against good competition. And most, you know, importantly, good competition that is currently uh, above Juventus in the table. 
Uh, so it, those are, you know, matches that you have to have just because of, you know, what we, we talked about a few, a couple of pots ago, right? Like just because of the bad start they have, you know, it's obviously way too early. It's only been seven match days, but you're already looking at a, you know, 10 point hole against the leaders in, in Napoli right now. So every game you, you win, it's also a game that your direct rivals for the title are just, you know, are giving points up. So th- those games are huge. I, I think they're going to be really big for just a number situation, a purely mathematic situation that they need to make ground to those teams. And also just to really see, you know, how, how real this team is in terms of if they can keep the form that they're showing lately against really good teams in the league. Obviously, you know, good results against, you know, Torino, good results against Sampdoria, uh, that the big, huge result, which was against Chelsea, which is obviously a really good team, but they need to show that against the really good teams in Serie A. And so far, you know, just because they haven't been scheduled since they kind of went into a streak, we don't know if they can sustain that against the really, really good teams and, and get up for those games and actually start, you know, making significant ground in the Serie A table. So I think that's going to be very interesting. And because, you know, talking about the Champions League and, and the games that we have left, it's against Senate. A win against Senate, you know, you don't want to, you know, start, start, you know, getting ahead of yourself. But, you know, nine points, that, that puts you in a very comfortable, very manageable situation moving forward for the knockout rounds, right? Like if you get nine full points, you bid Malmo home, you're almost already there without, you know, without having to worry too much about the second leg against Chelsea and the second leg against Senate, right? So th- I think that's that's really important. And because of the crunch of, of games, it, it as soon as you can get the, the Champions League qualification, you know, done, the better. So I, I think if they can capitalize with a win against Senate, I think that just makes, you know, the rest of the group stage much more manageable. And also just a note about the, Group stage, I think we've noticed this since they've made that change in the uh, the way the pots, the pot one and pot two are structured in Champions League, where I've noticed anyway, I mean, it might be just a hunch, but I've noticed that really the the marginal like benefit of ending first versus second actually isn't really that much different. I've noticed from uh, like out of the group stage, you know, like coming first or second qualifying first or second out of the group stage for the round of 16 i've noticed yeah the marginal benefit really isn't that much like in terms of the difficulty of your opposition i mean think about it you know we've ended i think we ended first last year um oh well anyway my memory fails me there but i just do remember that like you know you, you have a lot of groups for instance with like the group of psg and city like i mean okay you can end first or second but you'll you'll likely have to face basically PSG or City. So that's, yeah, that's a group like that. So, you know, I'm not too torn on ending first or second uh, out of the Champions League. Uh, I mean, I guess I marginally prefer coming first, but I mean, if we if we do end up coming second, because I don't know, I would say we lose against, uh, was it against uh, Chelsea in the second leg, we're just screwed up in some way, then... I mean, I don't know. I, you know, I'll be all right with it. Uh, but again, you know, you look at groups like Group B, you have Liverpool and Atleti will we'll probably qualify out of that group. I consider them equally difficult opposition. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll see. And I don't know. Let's just qualify out of it. And uh, uh, let's see. Well, obviously, as, as I mentioned before, 
we got going here. There's a lot of personnel components going into it. You've got, you know, the Rabio stuff. You've got Dybala potentially coming back. And before we transition into the Twitter questions we have for today, I mean, you know, if if Max Allegri decides to stick with this 4-4-2 that he's been using, and obviously a lot depends on just how many strikers he actually has available since the two Fetties have been playing more striker than they have winger lately. Is there a direction you think Max Allegri should go knowing that Rabio will be out at least, you know, the first couple games of this post-international break stretch of fixtures? I mean, McKinney has been kind of like, like I said, it's either McKinney or Kulusevsky, honestly. Although actually, before I answer that, I will say, please, 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 let's not play Dybala. Yeah, like, let's not rush Dybala back. <laughs> because it's like... And I, I, I might add, too, that some some of the starting lineup things might be answered by when the South Americans come back. Because I believe they've got, a lot like the September international break, the South American countries, they play, I believe it's Thursday. I, I think, I know Quadrado plays Thursday, and I believe Benton Gore with Uruguay also plays Thursday. So we might be in, obviously not to the same extent as when Juventus played Napoli very shorthanded, but yeah, it might be a case of Johnny Square and a, a few others only being on the bench rather than in a starting lineup. Which means, and and yeah, you are correct. They do play on Thursday again. Fun. 14th, yeah. Um, yeah, and in, in which case, you know, if we have the same situation as last time where, you know, indeed they come back on like what, Saturday morning or some craziness like that, then that would mean we're short a bunch of wingers and it's kind of problem- problematic because we're playing a formation with two wingers in center forward. So then, I mean, we're just completely short of like personnel then, which means, yeah, I mean, you you probably have to play Moise Keen then. Yeah, you'll probably have to play him. And, That's what we thought yeah. against Chelsea, Chucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, I did, I did indeed. But I was wrong. I, I so. did too, and I wrote 400 <laughs> words about it and then looked yeah. like an idiot 24 hours later. Yeah, 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 true. But yeah, no, I think in this case, because yeah, you would be short, Cuadrado, Sandro, Bentancur as well, probably Dybala, like I said, um, most likely Morata as well. Yeah, I mean, you have like, yeah, only wingers you have left in are Chiesa, Bernadeschi, Kulusevsky. I believe that's it, really. So, yeah, then, I mean, if you're going to put two of them in center forward, it means you only have one winger, which you could pull off then. So you could have Chiesa Bernadeschi center forward and then Kulusevski on the right and then McKenney on the left. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's some mental I can, gymnastics. I can see the wheel spinning trying to yeah. you trying to figure out who's actually there. Yeah, but, I mean, you're spreading yourself very thin. And I know Aleka is generally risk-averse. I, I don't know. I, I see us. I mean, like I said, I think Moiskin would have to play really just to just, you know, spread the load like, yeah, across the team. But which again shows us like Rabio being out with COVID. I mean, it's a significant hit, you know, uh, people, I mean, give him a lot of stick, but I think he's become a very important tactical part of, of the team. And the more and more I think about it, the more I just see parallels between him and Matuidi in the same way, like people kind of seeing like, oh, Matuidi, you know, oh God, he's, you know, kind of a pain, but his tactical importance to the team is just still very important for Rabio. It's only been recently. I mean, he's so up and down in terms of form, but still, I think, you know, he's very important to the team. 
he's he's far from a perfect player and people give him a lot of stick because he you know the, the potential is there it just seems so tantalizing it seems like he has everything to really turn into this top tier midfielder and you know sometimes he's kind of like very you know lackadaisical on the field he sometimes pouts and it doesn't seem like he tries super hard and, and that kind of like plays plays a role in it but he is a very important part of the team I, I don't think that if you take him out and you just put in McKinney there I, I don't think this team is this is good I don't think that works really mostly just because McKinney has been really really bad this year like he just hasn't really found his form that he was showing last year so I think that they will definitely feel the the blow but you know, this is also a chance for for a guy like McKinney, for example, a guy that had that that has shown at times that that he can be a really good player. Uh, you know, to kind of like get get that mojo back and and see what he can do. So, uh, you know, in a way, it this type of games really show, you know, a shorthanded Juve. It's also always a chance for someone else to step up, for someone else to kind of like get the minutes. That, that they wouldn't get. For, for me, the, those guys are going to be, for example, uh, Luca Pellegrini, our Pellegrini. Like the, the guy has played for one game, one game in his Juve career, and he looked pretty good. I don't, I wasn't blown away, but he was pretty good. I, I just don't see how, why he hasn't seen more of the field, especially at a position that's kind of thin overall. It's, just, it's baffling to me that he's not playing more because I think he's he's looked okay. A guy like Caio George, for example, that debuted uh, before the, the international break, you know, striker, he's going to get a chance to get a, a few more minutes. He's going to get a chance to get playing time. And, and Moise Keane is also going to really step up and, and take a bigger workload, especially with Morata out. I think that just because of the way the team is structured, I think they try to shoehorn McKinney in Rabiot's spot, kind of roll it back the way they, they've, they've been playing lately. That would be my bet, especially because you, right now you are also without Dybala and Morata. But as a, as a whole, what I'm looking forward of this, you know, tricky situation that Juve is going to find themselves in is, is that it's just giving other guys a chance to see if they can develop, to see if they can put productive minutes. Because if you suddenly have uh, a Kyle George, for example, if he's suddenly like a player that, that, that can fill in minutes, if he's more than just a prospect, if you can actually play good, productive minutes, it really solves a lot of other things for your team in sense of depth, in sense of rotations. Like it's really just another piece to play with. And, and I think that'd be huge for, for Juve if, if that's the case. But we're just not going to see it until the guy actually plays. And this is a good good opportunity for him to, to do so. Now I've seen in our comment section, some people have been saying, okay, well, Rabio's out. Well, Artur's back, but the thing that kind of catches me off guard a little bit with that is I can't really see Artur doing the same kind of stuff that Rabio's been doing. I mean, it, it's a lot of – it might not be, say – and this is going back uh, a ways, but like when Marquisio was kind of a winger but not really a winger, kind of that Mitsala role that he played where, you know, he was he was technically the left winger, but a lot like Rabio, he did a lot of stuff where he drifted inside as well and I, I don't know I just see Artur playing more of a role almost like Bentecourt maybe not the same defensive possibilities but where he's essentially playing off a of Locatelli rather than being that out wide yeah I mean Artur and Fabio are very very different players indeed you know like you can you can shove 
Artur on the on the left left wing. Yeah, you can do that very easily. And I think also the point of you know, okay, Rabio is injured, and but then Artur is fit. You know, okay, doesn't that solve the problem? Well, it also just changes the tactical setup of the team very much. Like I said, we have this weird lopsided four four two. Yeah, but I, Artur, he's yeah, he's, he's more of a creative. Well, supposed to be anyway, um, more of a creative like passing type of player. Like ideally, he's kind of a regista. I, I think ideally, but I mean that hasn't come off quite yet. But you know, hopefully sometime. And yeah, Rabio is not a creative uh, player. He's not a you know like that technical passer. He's uh, yeah, he's more of a runner and just more of a kind of a glue to hold the team or hopefully to hold part of the midfield together and you know has those late runs into the box as well from from deep so um yeah i think again it's just a whole question of like does allegri want to stick as much as possible to that tactical setup that is you know got us a few wins on uh consecutively or does he just say okay let's just change it and then say go to a 4-3-3 where artur could indeed play pretty reasonably uh well so i don't know i don't know let's uh let's see I, I, I do think that just having that option, Locatelli has been so far and away the, the best midfielder this team has, uh, arguably the best player on the team, just because he's he's played really well and very consistently and just he has a lot of minutes already. Uh, he, he's been everything that, that, that we bargained for and, and I would say even a little bit more. But it, one of his you know, biggest traits is that he's been playing really well in front of the defense, which was something that we were clamoring for and he's been really good at it and really adept at it. But he's also perfectly capable of playing that, like, like Danny was saying, that sort of Marquisio-esque role as, as a, you know, kind of like sort of a box-to-box midfielder. To me, he's perfectly capable of playing that. And that's just another component of what he brings to the table because, uh, like we've said a bunch of times in this podcast, Arthur has some skills. He has skills, uh, a skill which is holding the ball, and that's about it. And that's a useful player. That's a useful player if, if he's surrounded by the right players, by the right components. I'm actually kind of curious to see how he looks this year. He's had very, very limited chances to show whether he's um, whether he's much more than just kind of like a, a money laundering scheme from between Barcelona and Juventus, really. He, he hasn't really shown us anything so far uh, between injuries, between, you know, whatever. He's just really not shown anything. So I'm, I'm really excited to see him and especially, you know, with, uh, Rodrigo Bentancur that's playing a lot better than he was last year with Locatelli who is just at another level I think both of those guys with Arthur you know I think that's an interesting combination will that work who knows but I think that's just an interesting combination to to have and to experiment with and and I'm looking forward to it I, I think that's Arthur for me is kind of like an X factor like if he can give you anything that's just a good production level. I think that that changes the the outlook for this Juve team, for this Juve midfield unit quite a lot. Yeah, as long as the Artur deal doesn't cause uh, Juventus to show up in the Pandora papers, then uh, I'm all good. I'm pretty sure it's there. I'm pretty sure it's there. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> that was Shakira is in it, so hey, I mean, no, no, no stone left unturned. That, that, that deal was one of those deals that, that just like no one won. Like just like everyone's a loser in that deal. Like Miralem Pjanic, 
terrible at Barcelona. He's playing in Turkey now. Like Arthur has shown nothing at Juve. Like just no one won. The bookkeepers, I guess, won. But outside of that, just pretty, pretty terrible deal all around. The capital gains gods won, didn't they, Chucks? Yeah, and uh, potentially the tax doctors, potentially. Um, no, I don't know. I won't. I won't. I won't say anything. No, you know, nah. I don't want to get sued. So yeah, I didn't say anything. We'll edit all that out. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's jump into some Twitter questions here. We got a couple of them from you guys today. First one from David Desberg at the True RAC. How many of our garbage players do you think we can push onto Newcastle? <laughs> and it's funny because right right after he sent that in. There's a report from, I believe, the English press saying, hey, maybe maybe Aaron Ramsey would be interested in going to Newcastle. Of course he is. Of course he is. You know, I think Newcastle is now, I mean, higher than our quote-unquote garbage players. I, I think they, they're playing with some, some big boy box now. So I, I, don't, I don't know how, how, you know, interested they'd be on a dude like Ramsey. But, you know, th- this, this whole narrative of, and shout out David, who's always, you know, is a, who's a listener, who's always sending us questions. I, I just, you know, I've been going back to this, I think, since like for a year now. And everyone's like, well, let's just sell all of our like Deadwood and all the garbage players. And like, dude, I'd love to. Like, I think no one wants Aaron Ramsey in a Juve shirt. Like no one except Aaron Ramsey, probably. And given his comments, maybe not even him. Like no one's happy here. But no one like also no one wants to to buy him like we're stuck with him we're stuck with him we're stuck with a bunch of guys it's not that it's not that they don't want to sell him or like juve inherently still believes in them as good players that there's, there's no buyers there and for one reason or another they just can't unload them it's like you know i i can't tell you how many times i saw comments at the blog that was like we should sell rodrigo bentancur it's like no one's gonna buy rodrigo bentancur at this point in his career and also, we owe like half of whatever we get to Boca Junior. So it's just they're not even pursuing that deal. It makes no sense. So it, it, that was the thing that that we kept coming back and back like last year. It's like they just have no real assets. They just really have, don't have a bunch of really particularly valuable players to, to even sell, to even unload. So I, I think that's still the same. Like I've already made peace with Aaron Ramsey running out his contract at Juventus that that's what's probably going to happen or they're going to find out a sort of buyout thing uh similar to the to the one they did with Kedira or the one that they did with Iwain something like that because he's just not a very valuable asset no one's going to take him at the wages he's on and that's that's just what he is and unfortunately for Juve there's a number of players in in similar positions so you know, to, to directly answer the question, I don't think any of them. I think we're stuck with them for, for better or worse. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, the only thing I'll add is that, indeed, Aaron Ramsey, uh, I think he had an interview with someone somehow, and he, he talked about, like, how he could be fit if a club takes good care of him or something, or, like, you know, he could stay fit if, like, a medical team takes good care of him. I'm kind of scrolling through here. I see I can quickly find it, but which basically was a little swipe at, at yeah, at Juve, <laughs> frankly. We're saying like, hey, you know, people aren't taking good care of me, so that's why I'm injured. Yeah, no, like I said, no one's happy in this in this marriage. No one's happy. He's, a- he's acting like he's never, he was never injured at Arsenal either. Like yeah. that, was a, that was a rap on him coming in is that he's talented, but yes, he's always injured. Oh, yeah, I found it. He insisted his fitness is not a problem when he, he is managed correctly. So make of that what you will. 
Now yeah. I'm shaking my head on an audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I can do. And with the right management, I can stay fit for a long period of time and play a lot of games. So, I guess he just go. hasn't ever had proper management in his career then. That's <laughs> yeah, he says only with Wills, basically. He does. That's which, apparently, he played well in their game. Their 2-2. Two, two, was it 2? I forget what. Well, you know what? I take that back. Like, you know, maybe his management is exactly just playing with whales. Just play a yep. couple times every three months. And that's maybe the correct management for him. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, He was apparently very good against uh, Czech Republic. 2-2 against Czech Republic. And scored the 1-0. And had, <laughs> and had a yellow card in the first minute. So there you go. Well, well, Sergio, isn't he on that same kind of plan with Juventus too? Play one a couple times every three months? Yeah, pretty much. I'd be curious. I'm not going to do the research right now, but I'd be curious to know just how many games he's played like exactly for Juve because I cannot imagine it's been over like 30 club. Like I cannot imagine it's been more than that. Like maybe counting all appearances where he gets subbed in like for five minutes in the end. But like I cannot imagine that he's played like a full season's worth of games. Like it's just been... I I caught I caught Andrea Agnelli and, and the previous kind of like board a lot of slack more than most, but that that deal was just you know super questionable from the moment it was made, and it just looked worse and worse and as it goes on. But for my money, the worst deal that that they've made in in their whole stint. Thank you to Live Score in that article that I referenced. Uh, Ramsey has only started 25 matches in Syria, uh, playing 2,238 minutes in total, apparently during his entire time, which I think this is just a league. So, yeah, but that alludes to it a little. Yeah, 20, 25 starts in what a little over two years. That's not exactly great stuff. Yeah, no, definitely not. Well, speaking of, speaking of health matters, from Vincent, Vincent Ferrara at Juventino underscore BNA, what's the deal with Jay Medical? We have multiple players that weren't considered injury-prone before they came to the team. Over the last few years, it seems we've had players that can't keep themselves healthy. How much of it is the players versus the medical care? I don't, I don't think Juve gets, you know, you know, again, I don't know the numbers. You did have to look the data up and everything. I just don't think they, they are – particularly more injury prone than any other team. Uh, personally, I think everyone's been dealing with injuries. Every club has been dealing with injuries. Like, uh, you know, just off the top of my mind, like Evan Hazard in Real Madrid wasn't really an injury prone guy, became a super injury prone guy at, at Real Madrid. Like, is that because their, you know, medical staff is bad or anything? I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you just get unlucky. Uh, especially, I think, you know, Chucks has been kind of like banging the drum for this. Uh, a few times, especially I just don't think that the compressed schedules, bunch of, you know, international breaks, bunch of summer competitions, these guys are not getting any any sort of rest. And that's just inevitably going to lead to more wear and tear and, and more injuries. And that's definitely something that they're, they're going to have to look at, not only Juventus, but just, you know, FIFA as a whole, just football as a whole. They're going to have to look at because this is unsustainable and they have their proposal for the World Cup every two years and they still want to keep the Euros and they still want to keep Copa America and they still want to keep all of these things while adding games. It's it's just, it's going to be unsustainable. These guys, these guys can't go like a full year without getting hurt. So I think it, it has a lot to do more with that than anything else, in my opinion. Yeah, you look at the Italy guys and they've basically had what, like a month off 
in 2021, if that. Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. Chiesa, Chiellini, Benucci, and throw Bernadeschi in there as well, even though he hasn't played as much as those other guys. But they obviously played the entire second half of the of this last season schedule, went right into the Euros, went the entire distance of the Euros, and then had a couple weeks off before coming back to Juventus preseason training and then going right into the right into the season. So and then you you think about what the schedule was like last season where they basically had a very short preseason, what it was like what, three, four weeks that Pirlo had. A lot has happened between now and then, and it's o- it was only 13 months ago, so excuse me. But, yeah, it, the schedule has been so absolutely crazy since the restart after lockdown that these guys' bodies can only take so much, no matter how good a shape they're in. I agree. <laughs> I agree. Like you said, Sergio, I've been beating this drum for a long time, so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, it, you know, if you want to talk about injury crises, one of my best friends, he's a Milan fan, and he – tells me basically for the last year and a half they've had an average of like six seven injuries which you know like per week and i mean you know you, you, you want to talk about like yeah bad medical team i mean go to milan you know and yeah check that out he always tells me like oh man if we had a full team if we had a full team i'm like at this point your your basis level is just having five six players out with injuries so you know that's a pipe dream there all right last question here from at F Gungor one should Serie A as a whole be worried about MBS's group also potentially buying Inter after getting Newcastle? I don't know if concern is the right word. Obviously, Serie A already, you know, has a history of dealing with like sketchy, you know, ownership. Like, you know, let's not forget the whole AC Milan saga just like a few years ago when they were like brandishing scarves that were like, we're so rich and, you know, they were not. Even the the intern ownership, like the current intern ownership, like they were a Chinese group that also like maybe their money wasn't in the up and up. And, you know, Serie really doesn't have as big of a concern about letting, you know, foreign investment groups in. We know for a fact they don't really have a problem with Saudi Arabia since they're going to play the Supercopa there this year again on December. So Obviously, for Serie A, I think it's going to be super in if they would be interested in, in acquiring Inter. After that, you get into the whole debate about whether it's morally correct, whether you're a bad person for supporting a, a league or a club that is owned by maybe not so morally upright people. And that's a whole rigmarole I'm not going to get into. But just as a whole, I think Serie A would be pretty into that idea just because, you know, say what you will, they're going to bring a bunch of money. And if you adhere to the whole concept of, of the Super League and we need more money, if not, we're going to be left behind, then you have to be pretty content with that. More money for Inter, then that means more money for the league, then that means more a more competitive league, which in theory should lift all boats. Whether or not that ends up being true, who knows? But yeah, if, if that went to pass, I, I guess that's that's my take on it. Yeah, I don't have too much to add. I, I think maybe the word worried is not really, I guess, not the accurate term to use because worried about their ownership coming to, or like that that kind of group coming to say, uh, um, I mean, you know, if there was only, the only, only kind of point of, I guess, agreement that I had with the Super League was that, indeed, the argument of like financially 
European football, I guess global football, but European football uh, is, yeah, financially not in a great place. Financial fair play, I think, was a good rule. It just came about like 20, 30 years too late, um, I think, or even more, really. Like at the moment, it just wasn't a good rule. So, yeah, it, it would be useful. Like just any kind of new ownership uh, coming into Italy would really just be done as kind of a rescue for any kind of financial, like a financially unstable club. Inter have obviously had the issues with the Suning group. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's no guarantee that they come in and rescue everything. Even Like in the short term, they might you know provide an influx. But then in the long term, there's no guarantee that, you know, the, the gift will keep on giving, I guess. So, um, yeah, I think the whole worried about like, oh, God, there's going to be another group that's going to come and take over an Italian team. I don't think that's the issue. I think it's just figuring out why clubs would even need that, which is, well, because they're financially unstable. Why are they financially unstable? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's a whole big discussion. So I think the financial instability or financial uh, um, insolvency, that's the word, uh, financial insolvency, that's really the big question you have to talk about rather than like, oh, all these groups from, you know, Saudi Arabia and this and that country coming and, you know, taking over our clubs. I mean, I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think that's the... Uh, the question really to talk about but yeah let's see i mean I, I don't know i doubt it i i don't know but yeah i and also with covid you know like now that crowds are like the stadiums are opening up revenues should get a little better for uh for clubs but yeah and that just kind of as the last point on that if you really want to talk about like financial stability you know it's it's the whole stadium ownership thing in italy that's i mean that's really the huge issue lack of stadium ownership that means you're losing out on all that revenue and you know that means that you're going to need a sugar daddy to come in and uh, pay your bills. So, uh, yeah, tackle that issue first. I know we've mentioned it before on this podcast, but on Juventus's losses, but Inter just a few short days ago posted 246 million euros worth of losses in the last fiscal year. So not only is the Suning Group taking on a whole lot of loan debt, but they are also like Juventus, very much feeling the pandemic and another reason why they were they were forced to sell a few players over the summer. So the financial outlook for Inter is not looking all that great. And maybe maybe on another podcast episode, we can have our financial expert Chucks dive into all the numbers because he could probably explain it a whole lot better than I can. Yeah, if I had the time to look at all their papers, man. I mean, <laughs> those are those are like encyclopedias worth of, of papers or financial statements uh, to to go through. So, yeah, if only I had the time. But yeah, I mean, you also look at like, for instance, slightly off topic, but the uh, Evergrande Group in China. I mean, they're basically a real estate group, and uh, I mean, they own. I think uh, I'm just looking at it now. Guangzhou Evergrande, and I want to see another. Uh, football club as well but anyway yeah i mean they're like financially uh well they've missed a few loan payments and all that and it's caused a bit of a you know financial uh yeah nervousness in china and, and in global markets as well but yeah you just see like you know the owners can also have issues financial issues and then owners get issues then yeah what happens to the club so um we will see we will see we will indeed well that wraps things that wraps things up say that three times fast for this week's episode of the ola speaks thank you all for your twitter questions we always appreciate them you can send them to us at juventus nation on the twitter machine as well as 
following us there. You can follow us on Facebook, search black and white and red all over. You can use that same search term, black and white and red all over for following us on your preferred podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a nice review and give us a nice rating because we like nice things. So for Chucks and for Sergio and for the new dad, Sam Lopresti, this is Danny saying, Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.